What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Inazelli and Michael Nolan. We have another great show for you today, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow over on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. If you guys want to just start it off, kick it right off with the news and notes from around the world. Uh, FIFA came out with their best 11 and all the other different awards that came out. Uh, so coach of the year, Thomas Tuchel, keeper of the year, Edward Mendy, FIFA best men's player, Lee Wendowski. The best 11, we'll just cover the guys from the Premier League real quick. We had Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Jorginho, Conte, and Ruben Diaz. Salah got snubbed, possibly Rudiger. Anybody else you guys kind of come to mind? Uh, I think Mendy has to be in that conversation if he's going to win best goalkeeper of the year and doesn't make the best 11 of the year. It's kind of a <laughs> an oxymoron. No, it's a little bit of a problem. But Did you um, see on the uh, the women's side, actually, the player of the year didn't make the 11 either? Really? I, yeah, I, I did I see that. Her, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't have her name offhand, but yes. I, I, I think it's because the best 11 of the year are, are um, voted, helped to be voted by fans as well. When I think players vote for like goalkeepers and et cetera, things of that nature. Gotcha, gotcha. Then uh, Puskas, uh, Mike, you have some claim to this one. Uh, Lamella with the Rabona against Arsenal. Still one of the filthier ones I've seen in a while. Who says Spurs don't win anything, baby? Back-to-back <laughs> Puskas awards? You don't want to hang that from the rafters? <laughs> no, <laughs> that'd be a little epic, lonely, but okay. Epic, goal, <laughs> epic, epic goal, but I'll be, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be very well quickly reminded that it was in a loss. <laughs> and then he also got a red card that game for Elba. <laughs> he, he went full circle on that one. <laughs> oh, my God. They leave um, that out. That's an asterisk, Puskas. <laughs> uh, some other news from the Premier League. Rafa Benitez it was out at Everton about three months too late from what we called. Yeah, about that, I'd say. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. We were saying it prior to recording, you know, if we – if you lose to Norwich, when else are you going to sack somebody at this point in time? Like it has to be now. What are they sitting? Sixteenth in the league? Yeah, they're they're pretty low. I don't I don't think they have any games in hand. They're no, they do. They're, they they have ever, nineteen games played, and they are sitting okay. at sixteenth with nineteen points. So yeah, it, it was time. Uh, so a little deceiving in terms of that, but yes, no, I, I don't think the formation, the coaching, the literally the anything just worked. Like he did the first four games of the year for him. So now that Benitez has been taken out of the Everton helm, where do you see someone stepping in? Who do you think they bring in to help make that team stronger? Because it's not like they necessarily even have a bad team per se, but I mean, the coaching itself, the morale just seems all shit to be honest over the past couple of months. So who's even available? Frank Lampard. Hmm. Oh shit! Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, I a lot of big names are they're they're gone. Yeah, I think they have to, they have to be careful. I, it might even be better just to for an interim for the time being, kind of the way United's doing it, bringing a short term six month while you identify a replacement. Because you, I think you guys are right. I don't think there's a whole lot of people available. I mean, obviously, um, there's a, there's a couple, but no one that's going to go take over Everton mid season at this point in time. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's going to have to wait. Like Zidane's not going to go to Everton. That was the issue with Man U. It's not like he would have went anyway. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's my point, though. It's like the people that are available aren't going to go. So I think you just bide your time and you do what you can and to see where you need to make changes. 
Yeah, but I mean that was the issue with um, Manu and, and Tottenham, right? It was like who mm-hmm. fires a coach first gets Conte, and then after that, it's uh, good luck. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, it's even worse than timing. So it's gonna be interesting to see what the Everton pulls off. Yeah. And then uh, last but not least, we have Man City's win over Chelsea, just basically strengthening their hold over the title race right now. Do you guys think they can even be caught? Uh, I don't want to. S- I don't want to say it's over until I see potentially what Liverpool is able to pull out. Cause if I'm not mistaken, they have two games in hand. They have one Correct. game, in hand, one, one game one in hand, play each other again. one game in hand and they're supposed to play each other. So hypothetically it's not over yet. And there's still a lot of room to, to run with, but I mean, from man city's perspective, and we'll get into them a little bit later in the podcast, they've been unbelievable this, this past year, uh, this past couple months, uh, especially without a striker and, it certainly seems like it's theirs to lose. And if they did, it'd be an epic fail of proportions. But um, I don't want to say it's over just yet. Just because it's I, over. I'll okay, say it. There you it's go. over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there is a short period of time, like uh, middle of February to beginning of April, where they play Tottenham. Man United and Liverpool all at home for City at the Etihad. And they do end the season with West Ham and Aston Villa, who are, who are good teams in their own right and will probably give City a tough game, especially West Ham, they're kind of giant killers this, this season. But um, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, they City would have to lose more games than they have this season already, even though they're half past the halfway point for that to work. And Liverpool would have to win out. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. I mean, when Liverpool had that, that big lead come Christmas, what was it two, two, three years ago now? And then Man City went on that epic, like, what, 18-game unbeaten streak to end the season or something like that. It's, it feels like that's what it would, it would have to take for either Liverpool or Chelsea to pull off. Yeah, and I, I don't think Chelsea can do it. I think only only option is Liverpool at this point. I'm with you guys on that. Let's head over to the start of the stripe section where we check out the men's national team, United States men's national team, standout performances from across the group. Globe, wow, can't even speak right now. Uh, Weston McKinney, first one up there. He had two goals over this past week in two separate games, both headers for Preventes. Um, is does this guy only score headers? <laughs> does Apparently, he use his feet. <laughs> Apparently, it seems like it. He's developing into an amazing, and dare I say, I don't want to say world class just yet, but whatever the bar is, right below world class. What, what, what would you call elite? that? Elite. He's developing into an. That's a good word. An elite eight midfielder box to box like running the channels coming in late behind for the goals um he's putting himself in really dangerous positions and he has over the past couple of games and it's awesome to see him get the two goals and you can see the way his teammates embraced him especially in those games too when he got him like the kid works his ass off and it's awesome to see him getting those goals for juventus too and allegri trusting him after especially the outspoken issues that they had initially in the beginning of the season yeah yeah plus the united states uh Suspension mm-hmm. too as well, and you know, not following mm-hmm. the rules and stuff. So good for him. Turn it around. Uh, next up, we had John Brooks. 90 minutes played, clean sheet. 11 out of 12 duels won. Four of them were in the aerial and seven recoveries. Um, he, he was a big talking point on the omissions, the last World Cup World Cup qualifying roster. Um, any reason to leave him off on this one coming up? No, he should have never been left off the, on the other one, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah. Most of our questions in our team, I believe, are, are in the back line at this point in time. Um, so, I, especially the center back position. So, I think it's important that he's there. 
Okay, gotcha. Uh, Musa, man of the match performance for Valencia in the Copa del Rey. one nothing win, 90 minutes played, two key passes, 63 touches, uh, five duels won, all of his tackles, two out of two were won, and then 10 recoveries. So he didn't just do it offensively, also on the defensive side. So that's good to see. I feel like I'm not going to say he's a box-to-box midfielder by any means, but I what's, – what's a good – like he's attacking mid, obviously, but at the same time, I feel like he does control a lot of the center of the, center of the pitch when he is – especially for the national team. Yeah, he's like a holding midfielder, like to drift forward a bit. Yeah, kind of like yeah, kind of like Modric, how he spends most of his time in the middle of the park distributing play, but and not not so much making tackles. I think to the extent that Musa makes them, um, but he likes to get forward and contribute offensively, which is good. Um, I, I mean, especially because I, I don't know if you guys watched that game, but v- Valencia were like wholeheartedly outplayed. Um, mm. So it, it was. I think that's a good performance for Musa. Nice, nice. And then honorable mention, there's a few guys. We car car. Jesus Christ. Cameron Carter Rickers <laughs> with a 2 0 clean sheet and the most tackles in the match. Reem had a good performance, also with an assist. Brendan Aronson with an assist. Um, kind of moving on to some guys that might be unsettled at their club, might need a move situation going on. Biggest one, obviously, Desk at Barca. Plenty of rumors out there right now. Heard Chelsea. I've heard uh, Bayern Munich. They brought back Danny Alves. Kind of seems like his time is coming up a little bit. In all honesty, I know you guys would probably want him at Chelsea given the right-back situation and the injuries that have happened on the outside backs and how he can play both left and right. However, for him in particular, if he went to Barcelona and he could play in the position Pavard is playing, I think he he gives that team an unbelievable advantage. You mean to Bayern? Byron, I'm sorry. Thank you to Byron in Pavard's position. On the other side, we want to can let your thought go. I just want to make sure I, had, I was. <laughs> yeah, you understood what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think he immediately is an upgrade over Pavard in that role, and especially in the way Nagelsmann likes to play, um, getting the, the fullbacks pretty high up the pitch. Um, I think it's a perfect, perfect system for him. And to see both him and Alfonso Davies once he's back from injury um, on the left and right, tearing it up, representing North America. I think that would be an unbelievable just the thought in my mind just is too perfect for that. Yeah, I, I think that would be a good move for him too. I also think I think equally Chelsea or Bayern Munich would be a perfect move for him. I, I think both teams have a very pressing style of play where they like their fullbacks to get up the pitch. I mean, you see what Alfonso Davy does for Bayern to your point, Mike. Um, and you saw what happened, what's been happening to Chelsea the moment their fullbacks are out of play. So I think mm-hmm. either either of those teams are a good fit for him. Um I think probably the physicality of the Premier League is a little beyond him compared to where he would be at in, in Bayern and in the Bundesliga. So I think Bayern would pip that for a better landing spot just slightly. But with that being said, I think he'd be much more utilized um, at Chelsea at the moment, given the injury problems. Short-term, Chelsea. Long-term, he'd be better off at Bayern right now. I think so, yeah. I, I agree with Mike in that. So. Uh, what about Matt Turner possibly going to Europe? You think that'd be a good what move have, for him? Or? What have they said? Where have they said he's potentially going? No, no, no that's just something no, I bring up with you guys just to see. Do you think he deserves a move to Europe? Should he stay in the MLS where he's constantly the number one guy? I think if he's going to move to Europe, he needs to make sure he's moving to a team where he's going to get the minutes, even if that's at a, at a, at a lower league side. Um, I mean, he's not, I don't. He shouldn't be pulling a Zach Steffen and following in his footsteps by going to a club with the prestige and the pedigree of. Manchester City where he's not going to get any minutes like if he's going he needs to be able to play and even if that means playing for 
um, Southampton or a team that's newly promoted at the end of the year where he's going to get opportunities. And especially in those types of teams where he's going to be facing a lot of shots from higher skill level players while he'll be able to develop further. Um, as long uh, as it, as long as the move where he's going to get minutes, I'm good with it. I'll be honest. I don't think I, I love Turner a lot as a, as a keeper and a shot stopper, but I think the fact that he doesn't have, or it seems the real ability to play with his feet yeah. is pretty detrimental for him to be able to make a move to Europe to one of those bigger clubs. And with that in mind, I don't see him. I, I honestly don't see him in the Premier League playing for a Premier League team, even one that's newly promoted. Maybe League One, maybe a club in Belgium, like a Anderlacht or something like that, or like something along those lines. I was thinking like level. Salzburg, like one of those levels of clubs. In all honesty, um, I'm not sure he's at that level where he can make that jump and be where a lot of eyeballs would be on him from like a U.S. fan's perspective, um, if you get what I'm saying. Not to say he's not a great goalkeeper, but yeah, I, I just don't know if he's at that quality. I get that. But if, if he's going to progress to that next stage in his career where he wants to be considered, I mean, I don't want to call it an elite shot stopper because when you think of elite shot stoppers, you think of like Ederson and things of that nature. But if he's going to hit that next tier, he needs to learn how to play with his feet. And he's not going to get that in the MLS. And that's that's my my thinking on a, why a move would be good for him. He's, he's going to learn that if he goes abroad. Like that's going to be the first thing they probably try to do with him, to your point, because he is very shaky in the back when it comes. <laughs> I'm nervous every time he touches it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm like, is that Carius? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. That's too far. <laughs> it's all messed up. Yeah, um, <laughs> Champions League final. I got to hit, hit seat. Um, also, two guys, I know we brought up the defensive woes for United States men's national team, especially at center back. Um, two guys have money to find some permanent homes very soon. Matt Miazga and Cameron Carter-Vickers. Both of them on, on loan, one to Celtic and one to uh, Alves. So... What's your thoughts on them? Where do you think they possibly should go? Best moves for them? Even maybe staying at the current clubs they're at? I think for Cameron Carter-Vickers in particular, the Scottish League is probably his level. It's I would say that's probably right where he wants to be, and especially playing for Celtic. Um, you know, they have the ability to get into Europa League or Champions League, and it's not like they can't do it and make it in like a playoff game. And I think if he wants that level of football, that's probably the best place for him where – he'll be the most comfortable. As for Miazga, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't been following too much about how he's been doing in Spain, specifically at Alves, and maybe one of you could shed more light on that. But I think the ultimate goal for him should be to stay in whatever top division he possibly can, and La Liga is a great division to be in. Alves, I'm not sure about the positioning but and how much he's getting game time. But When he first got there, he was getting a lot more uh, over the last, I'd say, Two he's months not playing at all, since, basically. Probably since November. Yeah, it really, it's really been hit or miss with him. He's, I mean, his last pro, he just played um, two weekends ago in a nil-nil uh, draw. 90, he played 90 minutes, had a good good outing. Uh, it just yeah. hasn't been as consistent. But when he first got there, it was only, he was pretty much an everyday starter. Yeah, he. I mean, the last one, two, I mean, like eight games or so for them, he's played one full full term and then 17 minutes in another. So he's not like playing out of his mind. Although I will say in that last match he played against Athletic Club, that was a 0-0 on January 9th. That was, he played like a 7-something. Like he had a decent game that match. I think, I agree with you, Mike. Miazga's at a point in his career, he's 26 years old. I think he's pretty close to turning 27. Um, if I remember correctly, like maybe at the end of the season. I think it's time for him to lock down a spot somewhere, even if that means just staying at Deportivo. It, I think when he, when, he, when he got signed by Chelsea, you're like, oh, okay, maybe this might turn into something. He might get the 
the chances that he needs or, or the training that he needs, but it obviously hasn't worked out. So at this point, I think you call it where it is and just let him progress to where he's at. He just needs the minutes. Yeah, it's getting too far into his career where if he doesn't have that, then it's... it's exactly. Like, I mean, at this rate, you don't bring him to the World Cup. Well, I mean, it's not even that, too, but I think they're in a relegation battle, Alves, right? If I'm not um, mistaken, I'm looking at the table right now. I think so. I think they're like, what, like third to last or something like that? Yeah, they're in third to last. Yeah, third to last, 18th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... And then probably the last thing I just wanted to bring up, just kind of a fun one. Uh, Brennan Aronson, do we think he's going to move on to the next Red Bull and go over to yeah. uh, no, Germany no, or no? No, no, no question. Yeah. He'll, he'll get brought up in the summer. But they'll wait for the summer just because of Champions League football mm-hmm. that they have right now. But I can't imagine why they wouldn't pull him up yeah. into that team. He'll make a transfer for $1 because they're definitely not colluding with them in the same <laughs> clubs more than once. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, so I, know, I, think it's, all, I think it's time. I think, I mean, the Bundesliga to me is a perfect, perfect landing spot for him. Like, th- develop that technical ability. It's still physical enough where he can he can change that part of his game a little bit if he needs to. But I think it's it's going to be a fantastic move for him if he goes over there. They're a weird league. So, like, I think of, like, a great leagues for young players is the Netherlands, um, especially, like, Ajax, how, how well they developed. Um, maybe the Scottish League, some, somewhere like there. For whatever reason, the Bundesliga, I love when young players go there. It seems like they always get time to develop really well over there. It's just I, I don't mm-hmm. like out of the top five leagues. If you tell me a young guys go into there out of any of the other ones, I'm way more about it. Yeah, it almost feels to me like a slightly older bracket of development. Like the like to your point, the Netherlands. I feel like you hear a lot about like the 16, 17, 18, 19 range, and then Bundesliga. You hear about like the 20, 21, 22, like the Kai mm-hmm. Havert level. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like that to me. Mm-hmm. But they're they're fantastic at producing talent. I mean, yeah, the Bundesliga is where he where he should go. Realistically, yeah. he should go to the other Red Bulls in the Bundesliga. Leipzig. I honestly forgot the name. I knew Salzburg was where he was at. I was like, oh, what's the other one now? You always call it Lisbon. That's why I, I said it before <laughs> you had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Let's head over to our weekly recap where we check out the rest of the Premier League games over the past week. First one up, Southampton versus Brentford on the 11th. Yeah, on the 11th, a couple days ago, Southampton, big 4-1 win versus Brentford. James Ward-Prowse delivered a unbelievable inch-perfect inch corner to the, for the opening goal. Brentford came back, tied the game up, 1-1 with a pretty nice volley, left foot, uh, right inside the box on like the six-yard line. But then ultimately, Southampton pulled away in the second half, ultimately winning the game 4-1. Um, once they went up, but for the second goal, the game pretty much seemed over. We'll get to James Ward-Prowse in a little bit later because of his goal earlier in the past match with a weekend, but Southampton, good win for them, given where they were a couple weeks ago, right near the edge of the relegation battle. Yeah, yeah he is um, – they can't lose him. No. James Ward-Prowse. <laughs> he is Southampton right now at this point. Um, Everton versus Leicester, that was postponed. Then we had West Ham and Norwich on Wednesday. Yeah, not a whole lot to report in this game. Uh, West Ham ran out of their 2-0 winner against Norwich. They did leave it a little late to lock it up, and I will say Norwich had an opportunity to snatch an equalizer, uh, a bit against the run of play, but Fabianski made a a really good save. I believe it was Adam Ida, or I don't pronounce his name, but um, it was a good win by West Ham. Good job by them to see it out. Keeps them in the top four race um, at the moment. Game on Friday, Brighton and Crystal Palace. Yeah, Brighton uh, winning on the XG, right? Every game, every time, 
uh, had a first half pence, which was saved pretty well by Butlin, to be honest. And then also a gold disallowed when Malpe pretty clumsily or cleverly, depending on how you look at it, directly headbutted the ball out of Butlin's hands. <laughs> um, but, you know, they didn't take their chances when they had the opportunity. And because of that, the Crystal Palace, I guess you could say, general marshal of the team right now, Connor Gallagher, made him pay, put him up one nothing. Uh, Brighton did a great job fighting back and pulling back near the end and then ultimately got an equalizer in the 86-minute point share between the teams. It was a pretty entertaining back-and-forth game, but Brighton should definitely come away feeling a little bit of grieved that they weren't able to get more out of that game. What are they up to in draws now, man? They got to be close to double digits. Who, Brighton? Brighton? Yeah. I don't know. They're up there. They're, They're at good. 10. They They're are? at 10, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is nuts. <laughs> Half their games are literally draws. That's That's amazing. Uh, what are they South in now? Tenth? Are they in tenth now? Or yeah, ninth? they're in. Uh, they're in ninth. And then Crystal okay. Palace. Fun fact for you: they're one behind in the draw department at nine. So, yep, that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, absolutely. That game was uh, that, that game was due for it. <laughs> um, Saturday morning we had City versus Chelsea. Yeah, uh, huge game. Chelsea had had to win that to keep City. Uh, at, I don't want to say at bay, but make it a bit of a title race. But unfortunately, they couldn't do that. City ran out of their one zero winners. Obviously, a Kevin De Bruyne wonder strike picked the ball up at. About the halfway mark, brushed off N'Golo Conte, which is you know never an easy feat, to say the least. And uh, just picked the ball out from underneath his feet and curled a beautiful shot against uh, Cross Keppa. Um, questions will probably be asked whether Keppa got over there a little late, but taking nothing away from De Bruyne. I mean, that was brilliant. Uh, like we said earlier, at this point, I, I think the title race is over. Um, most of the talking points, though, will probably be on Chelsea. And specifically, Romelu Lukaku had mm. one or two fantastic opportunities and he didn't convert, which is, you know, why they spent a hundred million dollars on him basically. Um, and that seems to be, it seems to be the general talk of the town at the moment. Um, but overall city dominated that game for huge portions of it. Chelsea just could not break their press that they do so well. So Anderson had city. one really, really good save on Anderson, a out of shot. Yeah, he like came out, he, he came out near like almost the 18 and yeah. Fantastic. Save. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I think the other play, what was it? Lukaku had the opportunity to shoot. He just passed it off instead or something along those lines. Yeah, and something like, two, something two like that. Gave him some he shit had a really poor game. Yeah. I think questions have to be asked of Tuchel in that match, in my opinion, just because given the way Chelsea were, were playing, I think they called for substitutions earlier. Um, you can see the moment that Mount got brought onto the field, they're trying to change the dynamics. So I think Tuchel's got to take a little bit of responsibility for that. But, I mean, this is a City team just firing on all cylinders at all times. Um, so it's, it's hard to imagine they weren't going to come away with all three points. It kind of feels to me like every every news article I've, that comes out about Chelsea is just some between Tuchel and uh, Lukaku right now at this point. They, something's got to get figured out over there. You think yeah, it's I think he's going to go. Asian just throwing shade, just trying to got drive, a, drive, drive a, yeah, literally just drive a yeah. wedge. I mean, the guy speaks like seven languages. He's probably out there tweeting a whole bunch of shit on his phone. <laughs> yeah. Like Russian languages. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just kidding. He's probably not like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting up Fabrizio or, or uh, Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Right. Is Fabrizio? Yeah. Okay. Fabrizio. I mean, I, I, never, I never get yeah, it right. I got to enunciate it. Fabrizio. Fabrizio. <laughs> uh, Burnley versus Leicester. Game postponed. Leicester, uh, they're still dealing with COVID again. I've been dealing with COVID. Yes. Yeah. Brutal. Um, then we had Newcastle-Watford, 1-1 draw. 
Mike, it's all you. I got it. Yeah. yeah. I'll take that one. I actually, I watched this one uh, fully through. Um, this was a huge match in terms of the relegation battle. Like we know these teams are both at the bottom of the table for the most part. And um, they, they needed all, all three points and Lester came out, Lester <laughs> Newcastle came out and um, they got an early goal into the second half. St. Maximin, beautiful play by him. I mean, who else was going to provide it? Unfortunately for Newcastle, it turns out to be their only shot on target for the entire match. Thankfully it was for a goal though. That's on brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, even more on brand, Newcastle squander a lead. Newcastle have officially dropped 21 points from winning positions this year, which is more than any other team in the league. And they haven't kept a clean sheet since they beat Liverpool 3-0 February of 2020. That's in Liverpool yeah. can win a home game, right? Oof. Yes. So if that's Jeez. not telling you what you need to know about this Newcastle team, I don't know what will. I mean, obviously the introduction of Trippier, it was a, a massive pickup for them, and he was immediately making an impact. And I think they played well overall. Mm. Watford didn't play a bad game, and I think they did deserve that equalizer in the 87th minute, I believe it was. Um, they pushed pretty heavily at the end. But, I mean, when you talk about a team going down and you talk about the reasons for it, you talk about exactly what just happened. Just game after game after game of owning points and then losing mm. them at the end. By the way, before we go any further, can we just talk about one thing really fast with Newcastle and how damn petty it is that they bought Chris Wood from Burnley (laughs) for the buyout club just to hurt their relegation rival? (laughs) Like, there's the only reason they bought him, I feel like, besides obviously the fact they need to score goals. But I mean, out of all the players you could just purchase, like right off the bat, that's hysterical. Unbelievable. (laughs) And you know, hold on. You want to hear the best part about that? <laughs> Newcastle played Burnley on the last day of the season, which could determine oh, relegation. God. You, you know, you just know it's <laughs> written saying. in the stars. He's going to score. That was like, so intentional. He's going to literally celebrate kissing the badge. Yeah. That <laughs> scores an own goal. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a fan of Newcastle all my life. It's been played. It's been yeah. an honor to yeah. such a big club. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh. But yeah, no, I mean, take nothing away from that game. It was it was a good match. It was pretty open back and forth. It just I think both teams at the end of the day will be okay with the point just because of where they are on the table. But Newcastle have to be gutted that yet again they're dropping points. They, no no team has let in more goals in the last 15 minutes than Newcastle this season either. I mean definitely um not some stats in your favor. Yeah, but <laughs> Uh, moving on, Norwich versus Everton, uh, the Rafa Benitez sacking game. Yeah, before we get to the Rafa Benitez piece, though, big, big shout out, obviously, to Norwich for getting a win because that is does not come by often for them. Um, they played pretty well on all honesty that first half. Josh Sargent got a little bit of a luck off the cross that he sent in, deflected by none other than Everton's own fault man, Michael Keane, uh, known goal scoring machine, to be honest, at this point. Um, yeah. Um, so that ball went in and pretty much immediately after probably about a minute or two after that goal, um, they hit Everton again on the counter and it was actually a really, really well done counterattacking goal, put the ball past, uh, Pickford in net. And afterwards in the second half, Richarlison was a pretty ugly game, but his goal in particular was beautiful with the bicycle kick over the head. Uh, sending cruel, you know, just totally sprawling for thin air. Um, besides that, Everton took the loss in a stunningly and terribly terrible fashion, I can say. 
Norwich, you know, got the win big for them, big three points. What I will say about them is given the relegation battle and kind of what they're going through, they might be sitting in 18th place right now, but out of all four teams down there, most games played, most most games played 21 games played Burnley still at 17 Newcastle still at 20 Watford still at 19. So they might be happy for the time being, but I wouldn't necessarily be having a huge grin on my face if I were their fans because anything could happen for that team. So let me let me ask you guys then, because typically in a Premier League season, usually the mark that determines safety is usually said to be about what thirty five to thirty eight points or so. Like, I think it's like yeah, thirty five. Yeah, thirty five is like you got a chance. Yeah. yeah, this year, I don't think it's because these teams aren't are that bad. I think just the league is so unbelievably strong at this point in time that based on the point totals, it's looking to me like it's more like 25 points at the, at this nah, point. No if you're shot, Watford, dude. no, no shot. No. Newcastle have played more than half their games and only have 12 points. That's puts them on track for 24 points through the season. Norwich is just about 25 points in that, those two spots. Right. So that leaves one more, relegation spot you're i think you're looking at like if you can if if watford can get to like 26 points i think they they're safe wow that's a hot take that that's gonna be on a freezing cold takes twitter account very, very <laughs> <short>. <laughs> no, seriously look, look at the points even if burnley win their next game right at 18 games and they're at 14 they're on track for only 28 points for the season basically and that's assuming they win mm. yeah it's I see, gonna be a I see are with the math I just I have a hard time believing less than thirty points. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it I hope it's twenty nine just to spike you guys in six months. <laughs> yeah, bigger talking point though from that game. Rafa Benitez got the ultimate axe um, after a pretty good start. Burned out like a like a supernova man. He was hot and then just blew the fuck up. Amari Gray uh, was hot actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. Um, but besides that. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Um, you know, we, I think we've been saying this since October. Um, more than likely, when was this, was going to happen? You can kind of see the writing on the wall from that point on. You know, deserved, not deserved. Curious if you would have given him more time, given the games they have in play, hand to play. But we gave him less time, but mm. definitely deserved. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I was looking at it before and in the league. Everton have only won one of their last 12 matches. I mean, you're talking about letting a guy go one third of the season, basically, and getting one win. I mean, he, any club would have sacked him at that point. I think it, it, it was a no brainer. I, yeah. I think they waited too long, in my opinion. It's shocking. You lose to City and and Liverpool, I get it, but you lost to Palace three to one, got spanked. You lost to Brighton, letting three goals. Brentford, Watford, five goals against them. I mean, it just was a matter of time. What's shocking is like obviously Benitez is billed as this defensive coach, and to your yeah. point, you know he's letting in this team is letting in all of those goals, and they're sitting in 16th place. Like I wasn't yep. expecting Everton to be pushing for Europe, but to be 16th for an Everton team that is teetering on the edge of like falling off a cliff. The so. only the only clean sheet they kept since the end of October was a zero zero draw with Tottenham, and I think that was the right before um, that was the Conte got a man actually, right? Yeah. At the Nuno game, or right before Nuno, I no. think so. I yeah, it was like just just about there. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's happy to have that banner hell hung too. For yeah, <laughs> zero zero draw with Everton. Put it right. Actually, up no, I think he might have been in trouble. Regardless, doesn't matter. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, poor guy. Uh, moving on, we have Wolves versus Southampton. Wolves with a 3-1 win. Yeah, it was a good game. And uh, finally didn't end in a 1-0 match for Wolves. I think they'll all be <laughs> thankful for <Proud> that. <laughs> I mean, a ton of energy you expect that with both of these teams. Um, Wolves had a pen given. Uh, Jimenez put it away. No problem. Second half, a looping free kick gave Wolves a second goal. They were up 2-1. to one, And uh, I think they were mostly in control for the majority of that game from, from there on out for the most part. Um, <laughs> uh, James Ward-Prowse, I know we talked about him earlier. This guy is just unbelievable. He had an absolute smoker of a free kick to, to grab one back. But, you know, in the end, Wolves ran out of the 3-1 winners with a, a late goal. So uh, all credit to Wolves. And they're starting to string some performances together and a couple mm-hmm. results. And uh, they're looking really good right now, heading in towards the business end of the season. Yeah, they have a real shot of potentially pushing Europe, um, realistically, given the way they're playing and they're squeaking games out. It's either 1-0 wins or losses. It's good to see them obviously scoring multiple goals. Um, so plus for them. Um, beyond that, though, on a side note, like James Ward-Prowse, his ability to hit a dead ball. Unbelievable. Where do you – would you go out on a limb and saying best in the Premier League? Definitely. From a – of, uh, right, right. As of right, as of right now, as of right now, is he the best free without kick taker, the dead ball taker in the yeah. Premier League? I don't even think it's close. I, I mean, he he's putting definitely in- free kick taker, dead ball. Don't forget about the Bruin though, dude. He could also he right oh, now, look right what- now, James Ward Prowse yeah. in general. I think. Okay. Oh. I don't know. I, I find that tough just because the quality surrounding De Bruyne on the end of his crosses is is so substantially farther farther up than. Well, I'm, I'm not talking about just the quality of the people on the end of it. I'm just saying that the put the ball in, into the box in general, though. Okay. Along those lines. But what about what about as of this past season so far, just this season, or maybe the past calendar year? Could you say in the world right now, best free kick taker in the world is James Ward Prowse? I mean. It's hard to say no. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, we're just how, straight like, up three kicks. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's dude. He he he's built like his percentage on like from what he takes to what he scores out too. Because I'm I'm sure Southampton doesn't get a crap ton of him in like shooting range. I, I think it's I think he's top three at that point. I think you have to obviously put Lionel Messi in that category because that guy is a dead ball, just mastermind. He's been doing it for 15 years. Sure. Um, I know Trent's got a wand of a, a right foot as well. I wouldn't put them in the same category. Yeah, but I think I was going to say, I think Ward Prowse is better than him. I, I think he's top three without a doubt. And I think he's in the conversation for the best. Yes. Yeah. And Mike Prowse. He's, he's unbelievable. I think he's probably going to break Beckham's record soon. And honestly, he's pretty damn close to the last time I checked. I think he's like that. I think he's like four or five goals away from breaking it. I mean, this guy's, I mean, he's got four goals and two assists in his last five matches. Like, this guy's playing out of his skull. Yeah, he's, in all honesty, um, like we were saying earlier too, like Southampton, if they're going to stay up, it's all going to be, a lot of it's going to be through him in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's putting, he's literally putting that team on his back ever since he got that red card a couple weeks ago, if not a couple months ago. Yeah, he might have um, already been in the season. He, he really might, in all honesty. I'd be curious too, like, you know, can they keep hold of him? Do you think a team comes in for him, like in the Premier League? If so, who would even come in for him? How much do you think he commands? I think if you're talking, I don't know what his contract situation looks like. So 
for argument's sake, let's just say it's three years on his contract and that Southampton is in no position to have to sell him. Yeah. I think he's probably around the 50 million pound mark at this point in time. Mm. Um, I think teams that could use him are probably someone like Tottenham mm. or maybe even West Ham might be a really good landing place for him. I don't think clubs him like and, him and Declan Rice in a midfield together would be ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Actually, my, exactly my thing. Actually. I don't I don't think teams like City and Chelsea and Liverpool have much I don't say use for him. He would be more for purposes rather than a starting eleven. Spot. Exactly. I, and that's why I think Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham, and honestly, maybe even United at this point, mm-hmm. especially if Vanderbeek goes away and you need to replace a midfielder. Well, him plus Pogba. I mean, well, so Pogba stays. He's at a contract. Yeah, I, United would actually be a pretty damn good spot. I like Ar- Arsenal. I think probably the best. Yeah, honestly. I was thinking that too. But yes, yeah. now uh, teams will come hunting for him without a doubt. Do I Southampton should do whatever they can humanly possible to hold on to him? Mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. I agree. I, I think unless he, unless he personally wants to stay there, that's different. Yes. I think fifty mil. If fifty mil comes onto the table for Southampton, I don't think they're going to turn it down. No. I mean, we we've seen them in the past play hardball, especially with the likes of Virgil Van Dyke going to Liverpool, where that that fee was what like ninety seven million or sixty seven million. It was, it was up there. Yeah, they sold off quite a few. So they're, yeah, they're not afraid to do it. Mane too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, look at what Aston Villa is doing with their signings right now. Leeds will come back. Everton will come back. Um, Palace are playing fantastic. If they lose a player like Ward Prowse, they're in serious contention next year to go down. I mean, they were they were this. We year thought that with things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we thought well, that with things. And then Ward Prowse showed up and was like, "Nah, I got this." <laughs> Hop on, boys. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we had Villa and United two-two uh, draw. Yeah, uh, just when you thought Ralph Ragnick, the answer. No. <laughs> uh, it was a game of two halves, to be honest with you. Man U went up um, initially 1-0 in the first half. Second half scored a goal. And by the 66th minute, 66th minute, you're thinking, okay, Ragnick's system. It's working pretty well. It looks good. Logic would give you that. However, their defense, and specifically the little magician, Philippe Coutinho, had something else to say. Coutinho comes in, gives an assist, scores the tying goal. Um, without honestly De Gea making a couple of big saves in there, you know, maybe Villa has a chance to, to win that game in all honesty. Yeah. But um, I think this is a great attestment to one Villa's ability, especially with their new signings, Dina, Coutinho, they have a whole bunch of people they brought in, in the summer to start meshing together, playing together. They look really good for the time being. And I think again, like plaudits to Gerard. Um, he's doing exactly what he should be doing with that team. The bigger questions most definitely have to be asked of United's back line, what they're doing, what they're thinking. Are they just staring at fans? Are they having people wave to them and getting distracted? Like what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to kind of figure this out because, or they need to figure it out because they're going to keep slipping and dropping points the way they're playing. Yeah. I, th- I think we were all, all non-United fans. I think we're a little worried at the beginning of the season about the strength of this <laughs> United team with the likes of Marcus Rashford, Chris Sherman, all the Rafael Varane, Paul Ba. Bruno, mm-hmm. like that team on paper, I was looking at it at the beginning of the season and I was like, this is a team that could finish in second. No Easily. problem. Yeah. No Easily. problem. Like even make, even potentially if they stayed healthy, made a push for the title. And that has clearly not been the case for, uh, you know, varying reasons, obviously. Um, don't kill me for saying this, just thinking out loud here. Do you think Ragnick 
is outdated. Obviously, when he came in, there was so much talk about the gate and press and how he was the first one to implement it, right? He taught uh, Jurgen Klopp that and look what he's doing with Liverpool and things of that nature. But philosophies in football come and go like, like the wind at, at times. You know what I mean? Look at Jose Mourinho, at once the best manager in the world winning Champions League with Porto and turning Chelsea into a somebody. And now he's coaching, no, no disrespect to Roma, but a Roma team that's not playing that well. I think they go in and out. Do you think that Ragnick got the position off his name and not what he was able to do at the time bringing him in? It's definitely possible. That might be the case. I mean, that's what it's looking like to me. I, here's my thing too, though. How could you blame him for that collapse? Like he set his team up to win and they score two goals and then his players just completely dropped the ball. I mean, it feels like that's been going on at Manu for a while though. Now, like, yeah. I'm not gonna say Ole got the short end of the stick by any means, but like, there's plenty of times where like the players. I mean, look at when look at right before he got sacked and Bruno was going over to to the uh, away supporters and was like, "It's us, it's us, the players. It's not him." Yeah, mm-hmm. it feels like it's been that way for like what two years with United yeah. lately. Ronaldo came out and was talking about the mentality, and he was like, "This is us. This is our. We need to be winners. Like that's what it comes down to." I mean, mm. they're not they're not playing terribly it's like individual no. mistakes that are letting him down i mean harry Maguire. you spend what 70 something million dollars pounds on him terrible he, he literally looks like phil jones if he had an acl tear i mean this is it's you have to look at in wambasaka's passing balls out of bounds and giving up corners I, I mean players that should be playing better are not and it doesn't look like a formation issue to me it looks like they're just not playing well period and mm. I mean, you have to look at, I think, Ragnick a little bit. Why is Van der Beek not in at all? You're telling me he's not good enough to get into a side that players literally can't pass the ball. Like, he can't replace Fred. Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and that, uh, I don't, you I don't say, think they make Europe. They don't, I don't, they don't make Europe. Would you say they are the biggest disappointment in the Premier League so far, given what they're built to be? Yes. Every t- I mean, listen, everything's up there, but yes, Man U in terms of we were challenging for, we were trying to challenge for a title and we're sitting in, what, seventh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not even as many games in hand. I mean, they're behind Tottenham by a point who have two more games to play than them. I, I don't know. I, for me, that's a toss-up between Leicester and United because I expect Leicester to be a lot better this year and they have been the model of inconsistency along with United. So for me, it's between those two, but I definitely think they're in the conversation for biggest biggest disappointment yeah absolutely i mean they gotta turn it around like now he um he only signed what a six-month deal right too right Nick? yeah i can't I'm, I, I mean unless united go on an unbelievable run towards the end of the season i can't imagine them um renewing him i mean united's schedule isn't easy either that that was one big thing towards the beginning of the season when united were a little bit higher in the table they they were like one of the quote unquote big six teams to not play another big six team at the beginning of the season for a very long time. I mean, they still have to play Tottenham, City, Leicester, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Chelsea still for the rest of the year. That's a lot. So they have big games. Like they're in this. That's not even. That's not even counting. That's not even counting Europe either. Yeah, that's not even counting Atletico Madrid twice. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're they're in this position before playing top six teams. That doesn't sound pretty. No, I don't think Ronaldo to be. the rescue. I think they can it's, finish. It's going to be it's going to be De Gea to the rescue. That yeah, dude. for real. That too, yeah. Anyway, enough shit. Non-United. <laughs> we had uh, 
Liverpool, Liverpool versus Brentford. Yeah, good win for Liverpool, 3-0. I, you know, they were missing a couple key guys, Mo, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, two of the attacking three, or attacking four, I should say, because of uh, Firmino as well. Um, but they they put it away pretty pretty straightforward. Um, three goals was never much of a much of an issue for them. A uh, bunch of build-up play through Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, got the first goal, the Fabinho header, and it was pretty much just locked away from there. It was never really any doubt. Obviously, the next next up, the Challenge City, but um, they got to keep stringing these together. And it's going to be important to see what happens over a month. What do you guys think? It, I mean, if they can go through this next month with all with those two huge huge players for them out of the team, do you yeah. think they can still mount a challenge? Because I mean, if you drop points now, it's over. I mean, they're also missing Nabi Keita to oh, yeah. Afcon, but. I, I think they can't drop points. They can't afford to drop points. The second they do, it's wrap, sealed, delivered to to City, assuming they don't drop any themselves. So they have to be winning these games at any means necessary to even have an opportunity to put themselves in contention. Yeah. Anyone else sing that song like, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours when Mike said that, or is it just me? <laughs> yeah, I <think> <laughs> <laughs> no, just me. Got it. <laughs> well, now that you say it, it's kind of stuck in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That's where my mind was going. I don't know why. Um, anything else for this game, really, or not Not too much? No, not not much else going on much. there. It was, it was pretty comfortable run out for them. Yeah, probably the biggest shock of the weekend right here with Leeds with a 3-2 win over West Ham United. Yeah, 3-2, could have been 4-2. But um, Leeds, or actually, even West Ham had the opportunity at the end to, to equalize. But Leeds, 3-2 in a very thrilling game. Jack Harrison gets his first ever Premier League hat trick. They were up 2-1 at half. West Ham tied it 2-2 in the 51st minute with a very, very cheeky finish by Pablo Fornells, pulling it back across the keeper's left. Sent him the wrong way, giving him the cat eyes. Um, but then for the third goal, Rafinha, peach of a ball, laid it off directly to Jack Harrison, who had a nice little dink over the keeper, Fabianski. Um, and once that happened, basically, it was more or less kind of mayhem for the last like 10 minutes, where West Ham in particular uh, had a really, really good opportunity in which Jared Bowen, for whatever reason, decided to try to chest the ball from six yards out and ended up popping it off his trampoline chest over the bar. Uh, um, and because of that, they missed the opportunity to equalize and score. Um, but with that, Leeds, massive win for them. Rafini in particular looked really, really good in that game. He had, I think he had one or two assists. Uh, one of the assists was called back, which was offsides for this fourth goal. But he looks really good. I mean, I know there's been talks about him also leaving Leeds potentially, but um, mm. it's a, w- a big win for them given where they where they were, where they are in the table. Yep. So. I feel you. I feel you. Um, you think something like that kind of spurs them to go farther up? I mean, they definitely separate themselves a little bit from relegation, but mm-hmm. I don't know, push it up any higher the table or just kind of – slowly hanging on to the rest of the season and looking towards the following one. Yeah, I think so. I, I think at this point, I mean, the gulf to get into any type of European place or anything like that is so far away. I, I think they're just going to be happy with just surviving and then focus yep. on next year. Yeah, the fact that they don't have Patrick Bamford back yet, yep. the fact that they still don't have – they do have technically central central center backs, but – uh I don't really think any of them actually play center back. Yeah. <laughs> They're all strikers uh, converted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Vito. I think if they, if you told them right now, we'll give you 15th or 14th. They just take it. 
they'd bite your hand off for that. Yeah. So given the lack of depth they have in those, I mean, they're only eight points from safety if you if you go by Vito's numbers. So. (laughs) (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) Love you, buddy. Uh, Last game of the weekend, I guess it wasn't played. Spurs Arsenal. Yeah, and it wasn't the bigger controversy with that game in particular. More or less was how Arsenal, I guess you could say, cleverly used the COVID rules to get out of playing a game, even though they only had one positive, hypothetically, or was believed to be positive COVID test, and the rest were through injuries and loaning people off and Afcon. So, with that in mind, do you think those rules need to be changed, or are they? You you know, is that the is that okay for them to do? This pissed me off majorly, actually. And I, I want to reference another league, the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich played a game this weekend uh, against Cologne. They didn't have a single player on the bench with a single minute of Bundesliga experience. Teams are like, what's the point of a youth academy if you are not willing to play games, if you have to put on the bench? But I mean... I understand it's Bayern Munich. They're probably going to run out 4-0 winners regardless when you have Lewandowski scoring a hat-trick every game regardless. Um, but it, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous at this point. If, if you don't want to cancel the season or, or postpone it, then don't. Fine. But that means you need to make do. If it's one player or a mm-hmm. couple, you have a youth academy drenched in talent in the Premier League, and you don't want to put them on the bench. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I mean, you saw Leeds go through a similar situation where they put a bunch of teenagers on the bench as well earlier in the season. And obviously the rules were written in there. And it's not to say like, you know, any other team probably wouldn't have taken advantage of them in the exact same way if given the opportunity. So I don't want to say that. I know uh, they all would have easily. Yeah. But they happen to be, you know, the, I guess you could say martyr in this scenario. And because of that, they look like complete assholes for canceling yeah. the game when they could have given that opportunity to kids that they have that they should be trusting, like maybe finding their next Emil Smith Rowe or maybe finding their next whomever, Sako, whomever, right? Um, it's a shame that it came down to that. And ultimately, hopefully, the Premier League makes adjustments to that rule very, very quickly so that way other teams cannot take advantage of that situation when they just have players missing via injury or through tournaments, which obviously are expected. So... Yeah, I mean, well done by them. Yeah, exactly. You can't, like you said, Mike, you can't fault Arsenal for protecting the interests, both financially and their players and stuff. So I, I, I think it's more of a Premier League issue than it is a club issue. It just had to, of course, be them. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the North London Derby. I have any of them. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. We have our bold predictions for the upcoming match weeks or match, yeah, match week or match weeks, whatever you want, which we want to look at it here. Um, just getting back to the page, my bad boys. Yeah, it's Leicester Spurs first one yeah. on the 19th. Um, there's every possibility that game might even be canceled due to COVID. So we'll see. Assuming it's played, who do you have? I think I go Spurs. I feel like Leicester hasn't played a game in how freaking long it feels like. I, I just, even away from home, I, I think Spurs take the points. I think this is going to end up as a draw. I think both teams are going to be a little lackadaisical. Spurs obviously not playing very well at the moment. Uh, Leicester having, I look at it the other way of having the rest. Um, mm. It'll be an interesting match at the King Power. I think it comes out like a 1 1 2 2 match. I would say a Spurs win in this. Uh, Next game. Brent, Brentford, Man Yeah, I got back. Thank you. I got Brentford versus Man U also on Wednesday. That's a tough one, kind of, with, with uh, Man U's form. Yeah. Um, 
I still think Man U were out of here winners, though. I, I, Brentford obviously played well at the beginning of the season, but it has dropped off significantly. Um, probably Ronaldo's back in the lineup for this match as well. I think you know, I just have too much talent to not be a Brentford team. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as, as bad as Manchester United's draw was to Villa and the loss they had before. Um, Brentford are in not the greatest form. So with that in mind, I would have to assume Manchester United walk away with the three points. I think it's actually going to be a very competitive game, but yes, man, you get all three. Um, Brentford have those weird games though, where they can just drop a three or four piece on you and like out of, out of nowhere. And you're like, what just happened? But yeah. um, I think, man, you did. They do squeeze it off or squeeze it out. Um, Friday, Watford versus Norwich. Very, very interesting game. Team separated by one point at the bottom of the table. Can the Norwich momentum sustain draw back to back draws for Watford? I get the feeling this is going to be a Watford like two one or three one win. This is one of those games where they're just going to like drop goals as a team. Didn't the reverse fixture have a late Watford win, or am I mistaken? Uh, that's a good question. I I want to say you're right. I have to look that up now. It's even about the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah. No, Watford ran out three one winners last time out in September. Yeah, I think Sar Sar had a pretty good game that day, right? Yeah, uh, two goals for him. Yeah, two goals. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think Watford is better going forward. And I think they should take all the points here. Although I do want to say draw really badly. Uh, Watford win. Uh, next up Saturday, we have Everton versus Ashton Villa. Everton without a Rafa Benitez. Read from the shackles. Do you Benitez. think they get the uh, the sack bump? Well, bad sentence. But um, you said that bad sentence many times. I, I know. Like I, like I, that I, sentence. I, every, I, every time someone gets sacked, it just comes up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> damn. I got to figure out the terminology for that shit. Um, <laughs> no, no. I... I <laughs> I think uh, Aston Villa run out of their their winners. I don't think losing Rafa is going to be going to be enough for that. It didn't, you know, Aston Villa is going to have uh, probably Digne starting that match. He didn't start obviously the last match against United, but Ooh, with him game. in the lineup, ah, like it, yeah. Revenge game for Digne, Coutinho playing his old nemesis. Yep, I mean it's it's kind of written in Villa's favor here. I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to go with Villa. I hate to be the third person to do that, but Stevie G's been a wonder wonder guy for uh, Villa as well. They, they've been playing so damn well underneath him. Yeah. So, got to go Villa. Next up, we got Brentford versus Wolves. I think it's Wolves. I, I think Brentford are going to lose two in a week. Um, Wolves are, are finally starting to find their rhythm. They look a little more cohesive moving forward, like a little more fluid like we're used to seeing from them. Um, if they can avoid a 1-0 scoreline, I think it's, it's it'll be in good favor. And um, I, I, I think they run out of here about 2-1 winners. I think they do concede because Brentford are, are decent on the, uh, on the break. Um, but I think ultimately they'll be able to hold on. I think it's a draw 1-1. Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go Wolves win as well. It's four away wins. That's going to be a hell of a – I'm going to have to parlay that. <laughs> and we got Leeds versus Newcastle. Um, Leeds, at, Leeds at home, I'm pretty sure. That, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Newcastle, they got to be fighting uh, scrapping for every single point right now. But Leeds also is off a big win. Could be a letdown game. Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick Newcastle when you have one win all year. And fair point. You can't hold a lead like 
they I think actually Newcastle are we were talking about it before with what Palace and Brighton are having like nine and ten draws respectively. I think Newcastle are right in the mix. They're at that. ten. They're at at 10, ten, right? They're tied for the top in, in draws, and I, I think this is going to be another case of that. I don't trust that back line. I trust their back line less than Leeds' back line, and that's saying a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to bold statement. I'm going to give Leeds the benefit of the doubt here and say it's like a two-one win. Okay. Something along those lines. I, how do you pick Newcastle? I said, you gotta go Leeds. Um, (laughs) Next up, we got Man U versus West Ham. This is a big match for both these teams. Big clash. Huge match. If, if West Ham loses, they lose so much ground in that, in that top four race. Um, But United have to win. It's, I think it's at uh, Stanford Bridge. I think it's at Old Trafford as well. West Ham do extremely well against the quote unquote big six. I I think this is going to run out like a two-two. Um, I'm feeling that same scoreline. Yeah. I want I want to say draw, but for the interest of being different, I'm going to say a West Ham win here. Okay. I like do you think? Do you think? I, I think I think they're going to get the counterattack the shit out of Manchester United by that West Ham counterattack. Do you think if United lose this match, they're out of the top four race? Not out, but like their odds are considerably dropped. Because right now they're at twenty. Yeah, their their odds are going to be considerably dropped if they yeah if they lose it. But you think they're out? I think I might say before it's way too early to call that. But you would need a serious run of form. Yeah. Later yeah. on. Yeah, it definitely does not help them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Definitely hurts them. Definitely. <laughs> oh, the wizard Michael with the prediction. <laughs> How does he do it? <laughs> uh, you gave yours right, Mike. said West Ham win. Yeah, West Ham win. All right, then we got Southampton hosting City. Yeah, I'll just skip that one. <laughs> City. Ready? Next up. City. Arsenal versus Burnley. Uh, Arsenal. I would give it to Arsenal as well. Yeah, that's a boring ass predictions. Um, Crystal Liverpool. Palace versus Liverpool. I think that could be a very tough task for Liverpool. Crystal Palace at home. Yeah, I do too. Selhurst Park this year has been a fortress. It's been loud. It's been crazy. The fans are in it. Like Connor Gallagher's playing out of his mind. And give me a Crystal Palace special draw right here. I can see that. I'm feeling like a one. I was going to take a palace draw here as well, actually. I picked a couple draws, but I think, yeah. I think it's going to be 1 1 for like the 85th minute. And then Palace, in their naivety and the fact they're a little young, they give it up here, like 2 1 to Liverpool. Understandable. They got to take take their lumps this year. Mm -hmm. We got Leicester and Brighton. I think Brighton run out winners. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I, I've I thought about this one for a little bit, but um, I like Brighton. I like the way they play. Leicester City are vulnerable at the back. I think Brighton will expose that a little bit. I mean, they don't obviously don't have as much going forward as Leicester do, um, but they're definitely more solid in the back line, and I, I think it's going to prove the, distant, the difference. They've had a slight uptick in form recently as well, um, and Leicester, with their COVID issues and not playing week in, week out, I think it can make a difference. Especially if they might have extremely tired legs against a game against Spurs, if that does happen. I get the feeling Leicester will come away winning. Assuming that game does happen versus Spurs on Wednesday. Um, I, still, a little bit. 
I think they get their, I think they'll probably lose that game against Spurs just due to the, the COVID issues they've been having, right? Kind of maybe people under the weather still not up to full strength, but that game against, um, against Brighton, they should be more up to speed. And I could see them coming away as, as winners in that. Understandable. I'm going to take a, uh, a draw here as well. Uh, just seems to be Brighton's specialty. Uh, then we have the last game of the weekend. Biggest one, too, in my opinion. Chelsea versus Spurs. Mm. The London derby. Yeah, at Stanford Bridge, I think you have to take Chelsea in this match. I mean, we have pretty good evidence over the last three weeks that Chelsea seem yeah. to have Spurs number at, at the moment, um, even when they weren't playing well. But this is, you know, this is battle of the bridge ter- territory. You know, it, these two teams don't like each other and they're going to get after one another pretty viciously. But I think Chelsea ultimately will walk away like 2 0 1. Yeah. After watching the abysmal performances in the uh, make believe cup that Tottenham <laughs> are forced to play against Chelsea, um, I've come to the conclusion that if it's at Stanford Bridge, they really don't have an opportunity. So. You know, would it be a make-believe cup if, if Spurs won it, though, the mic? Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be the, it'd be the grandest cup of them all, baby. That'd be, the, that'd be like maybe the Champions League trophy. New Audi Cup. <laughs> Carabao Cup or, or Champions League? What do, you, what do you got right here? Honestly, give me a ton of that Carabao drink, whatever the hell they have, and just, you know. Yeah. Send it to the moon. I'm also going to be taking Chelsea in that one. Um, can't see any other, other way around it after after the just two straight defeats for uh for Spurs there. Any other final thoughts though on the week, boys? Feels yeah, I had, I had a I had a question actually because there was a lot of talk, you know, when Chelsea knocked Spurs out, and they, you know they they weren't going to win that trophy obviously at that point. Um, and Premier League's out of their grasp, and and obviously they're out of Europe as well. Do you think if Spurs back Antonio Conte, they win a trophy in the next two years, like a major trophy? Uh, not until they cut. Well, let me, let me ask you this by back Antonio Conte. Are you assuming they also get rid of the players that should be getting rid of? Or are you just saying, I'm not saying they're going to go out and be like, Antonio, here's 300 million pounds war chest, but you give Antonio control over the ins and outs in that club, the transfers mm-hmm. in and out of that club, kind of the mm-hmm. same way that Inter Milan took the approach for like rebuild us, do it. And he did it. He got exactly what he wanted at exactly the right time. He turned Hakimi into the Hakimi we know now, Lukaku back into that beast, Lotero, etc. You think if they give him full reign over that club, that that turns out that way as well? I think there's every possibility and opportunity it could. Do I think? that it's likely given Daniel Levy and the type of person he is most likely not. And I think you'll see Conte walk away before that, that happens. <laughs> I was going to say, I think he's going to leave at the end of next season. I, I just can't see it happening. Um, you know, even right now today, I know we're recording this on the 17th of January, right? And he's been pretty outspoken already about, Hey, these players are not good enough. I know what I need. I need to help. Fabio Paratici, go get them. Um, you know, there's still time in the transfer window right now, but, you know, if they were serious about making the push for Europe, for European places, why not sign who he wants right now? I'm, sure, I'm yeah. assuming he's probably got somebody in mind to make that team better. Just go out and get probably him. A couple. Stop, stop fucking around, trying to knock a couple million pounds off the, the price. Like, go get him. Hey, so, if you want Marco Alonso, we'll give him to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I'll be doing that one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if they back him, there's every possibility. I think 
definitely champions league is in sights. If they do that um, trophy, I'm still a little skeptical about, but you know, I'm cautiously skeptical. Okay. Interesting. Or ca- cautiously optimistic. That's probably a better way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Anything else? Last thoughts there, Michael? No, none at all. Just happy for some more Premier League action over this next great week in January. So, yep. yeah, hopefully, uh, COVID doesn't ruin any more for us. And uh, 10 more days till the uh, USA is back in action. So, looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, released a roster for that yet or no? I don't think the roster came out for that yet. To be honest, I have I didn't look today or this weekend. Um, but I imagine it's not going to change much from what we're expecting to see getting into crunch time. Gotcha. Anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with Vito Anazelli and Michael Nowen. Please give us a like, comment, and hit the bell. Subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Apple, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. And also follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. We will see you next week.